Today's podcast is being brought to you by A Better You Consulting, LLC, where we help ordinary people achieve extraordinary goals. Check out our monthly personal development focus groups held via Zoom. Find us on Facebook or LinkedIn. If you would like your business featured on our podcast, contact us at theliferoompodcast at yahoo.com. Welcome to the Life Room Podcast. Real life, real Christians, real struggles. Our mission here is simple. Our desire is for everyone to understand how the Word of God is relevant to their lives. So each show, you will hear a short teaching, followed by a brief discussion on how that teaching relates to you in your everyday life. So share with someone and allow God's Word to come directly into your living rooms, your cars, or maybe into your office. Welcome to the Life Room. So let's jump right into today's lesson, Luke 9, verses 21 through 22. Don't forget the promise. Luke 9, 21 and 22, it reads, Jesus warned his disciples not to tell anyone who he was. The son of man must suffer many terrible things, he said. He will be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He will be killed, but on the third day he will be raised from the dead. When it was time for Jesus to be arrested and ultimately give his life on the cross, we saw from the disciples a sense of despair as if it was all over. The man they had been following and had now acknowledged as the son of God and savior has died and he has been placed in a tomb. I understand their grief that a man they have grown to love has died. An innocent man who has been beaten and lied on and persecuted has lost his life. I get that. But what I don't quite understand is the sense of hopelessness that it was all over. Why do I say that? I say that because prior to Jesus being led away, he sat the disciples down and he revealed to them the prophecy of what would happen to him. In Luke 9 and 22, Jesus says, the son of man must suffer many things. Now that can mean a lot of things, but then Jesus got specific. He tells them that he will be rejected by the older Jewish leaders. The disciples were present for this. They were firsthand witnesses to the rejection. Jesus tells them that it will be the leading priests and the teachers of the law, all things that the disciples were present for. Jesus then tells them, watch this, that he will die. This right here would have been just cause for the disciples to feel like all hope was lost if this was the end of the conversation. But it's not. He does not stop there. He lets them know that after three days, he will be raised from the dead. Listen, that's why I get joy from Romans 8 and 28 that says all things work together for the good of them who love God and are called according to his purpose. Because literally, Jesus takes on the worst thing that could happen and he defeated that too. I need you to think about that thing you're going through that seems too hard for you and say that too. Yep, Jesus came in flesh to take on the hardest things in life get victory over them so that we could therefore experience victory also. It may not work out how you want it, but I'm here to declare that you're still victorious. 
You may not get the outcome that you're looking for, but I'm here to let you know that you're still victorious. Now back to what I was saying. The disciples were present for all the things Jesus said was going to happen. The rejection and now the death. But yet they seem to have forgotten the most exciting part of what Jesus told them. That he would only be gone temporarily. The pain that they are feeling is only temporary. Oftentimes, when we are going through our trials and tribulations, it's so easy to get caught up in what we're going through to the point where we can forget the promise. That's why I like the disciples so much, because when you examine them closely, they are so much like us. They were far from perfect. Peter had well-documented issues, and, and Judas, he wasn't loyal. And it's not like their personal characteristics caught Jesus by surprise. He didn't choose wrong. I believe that he chose them because they were a great reflection of who we are, specifically in this text today, because the further they got out of the presence of Jesus, the more they forgot the promise. Listen, I be feeling real confident when I'm in his presence. When I first got that word, that promise from God, I was ready to go, excited, and then life hits. And if I was to be honest, I sometimes allow life to take me unintentionally further from his presence because life makes it harder for me to pray and life sometimes make it harder for me to focus on reading his word. And with this, I begin to lose some of my confidence. I'm not as sure about the promises that he said and I, I begin to focus more on my situation than the promise. And so after Jesus is placed in the tomb, the disciples are at a loss on what they should do next. They find themselves hiding in fear behind locked doors. Yes, some of their fear was warranted as they had just saw what they did to Jesus and they may be thinking that we could possibly be next, but it was more than that because we see no indication that the disciples were waiting with anticipation for Jesus to reappear in three days. Instead, they are so consumed with their current issues that they are unaware that day three has just arrived. Can I encourage someone today that is so important that you don't lose your expectation of what he promised? See, the promise is as important as it has ever been before because things around us have gotten so crazy. They have gotten so ridiculous that we must hold on to the promise. And when you are going through things that you have never imagined that you would be going through, you must remember the promise. God has promised to never to leave us nor forsake us. Therefore, Jesus' death was necessary for the promise. I don't know who I'm talking to out here, but some of you are grieving over things that were necessary. The breakup was necessary. That job not working out was necessary. I was upset over some things that didn't work out for me. It caused me grief and depression, but later I found out that it actually pushed me into position. My initial sermon eight years ago, in fact, was titled, It Pushed Me Into My Destiny. And I still believe that there are some things that the enemy meant for bad that is actually about to push you into your destiny. The disciples here 
who have been walking with Jesus, talking with Jesus. They had the word spoken to them, not read. They are literally walking with the word. Yet they do not understand that this is not the end for them, but it's only the beginning. I came to employ you to remember the promise. The promise is about the long game. Because in life, you're going to go through some things that won't look like the promise. You're going to experience some things that won't feel like the promise. And so the promise serves to remind you of what it will end like, not what it will begin like, not how it will look in the middle, but the ending. And the truth of this text is that life will sometimes make you doubt the promise. Even the disciples struggled. Make it more relevant to me. Even as a minister, I struggle. Pastors struggles, deacons, bishop, they all struggle sometimes remembering the promise. But the great thing about this text today is that even when they forgot the promise, watch this, God showed up anyway. Even when they forgot, he showed up to the house they were hiding in. Listen, God, my faith is flailing. But if you would just show up at my house, God, I'm struggling to believe that things would be different. But if you would just show up to the hospital, God, I'm struggling with this boss. And it seems like every job I get on, I experience problems. But if you would just show up on my job and watch this, Jesus did not just show up, but he showed up with evidence, with holes in his hands where the nails were. In fact, oftentimes we are hard on the disciple Thomas. We even name him Doubting Thomas as if he somehow did something that we don't do. Thomas says in John 20 and 25, he says, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my fingers into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. I say, thank you, Thomas, for being honest. That at this point, I don't want to hear from the other disciples that you saw him. Mary, the mother of Jesus and Mary Magdalene, I think it's cool that you saw him first, but I'm at the point in my life where I need to see him for myself. I need to feel him for myself. I'm not being disrespectful, but I need an intimate personal connection with him. I dare you to ask God to give you your own revelation. Let me experience you in a way that will restore my faith and remind me of the promise. Listen, now this is just my own belief, but I believe that Thomas may have believed the other disciples when they said they saw Jesus and that he was alive. They had no reason to lie to Thomas, but Thomas has a moment of selfishness where I believe he says, I heard what you did for others. I heard how you showed up for the other disciples. I heard how you showed up for the Marys, but God, I need to see you for myself. I need to see you with my own two eyes. I need to hear you with my own two ears. Listen, stop depending on all your revelation to come from others. Ask God to let me see you for myself. And this is why I love him so much because Jesus is not disturbed by Thomas's request. In fact, Jesus shows up in the way that Thomas requests, which supports my belief that Thomas had faith that Jesus was alive because he pulls 
on Jesus. And he says, God, show up like I know you can and remind me of the promise. In your prayer today, I want you to ask God to show up in a way that will restore your faith and remind you of the promise that he would do just what he says. Don't forget the promise. Well, we hope you enjoyed today's podcast. I'm Sean. And I'm Salante. And we are your Life Room Podcast hosts. And so today, we want to discuss how the disciples, when they found themselves in a situation where it was time for them to recall all of the things that Jesus had prepared them for. You know, Jesus had prepared them for this this moment of when they would face this trial and tribulation and, and where he would be. They would not be able to see him physically. They would not be able to feel him for that present time. You know, he prepared them for this moment. But yet when they found themselves in that situation, it was like they didn't they didn't recall. I don't know if they didn't believe it or what, but they were unable to remember the things that Jesus had told them. And so therefore, they found themselves in a situation where it was almost like they were in despair. You know, all because they did not recall the things that Jesus had, you know, prepared them for. And that that could be, you know, where we are a lot of times when we are faced, you know, with situations and and life hits us suddenly. You know, a lot of times, you know, we can be, you know, in a good place. And a lot of times that's when the enemy likes to attack us. You know, things are going well. And then he hits us with something all out of the blue. And if we're not careful, we don't, you know, we don't respond in the right way and the right way to respond to anything that the enemy throws at you is with God's word. And, you know, but sometimes, you know, when life hits us, we, we, we don't respond with God's word. We respond with our feelings and our emotions. And, and sometimes we, we forget the things that God has already prepared us for, the things that he already told us about our situation. He already promised, you know, that he would heal us. He, he already promised that he would be with us, that he would never leave us or forsake us. But sometimes, you know, it becomes difficult when you're in that moment to, to remember the promises that God had, had told us and prepared us for. Absolutely. It's easy to, like you said, when things are good, it's easy to say, oh, yeah, well, you know, the word says this and the word says that. But when the rubber meets the road and you're like, oh, my gosh, what do I do now? You know, it's easy for us to get into that state of unbelief. And the the great thing about Jesus is that he knows where we are. He knows that sometimes we're going to have those moments of, oh, my goodness, what do I do? I don't know what to do, despite all of the word that we've read that tells us that he'll never leave us and he'll never forsake us or that he is that life and death lies in the power of our tongue and that we can speak those things that be not as though they were and that we can whatever we would bind on earth that he would bind also in heaven and whatever we would loose on earth that he would loose also in heaven. All the things that he's told us we have the ability to do, we sometimes forget. But the amazing thing is, is that Jesus even told us that He can help us in our unbelief. So even when we don't believe what his word is saying, even when we're not believing what we've read, we can always go to him and say, Father God, in the name of Jesus, help me in my unbelief. This is what I'm facing. I'm struggling to believe that X, Y, Z is going to happen. But even in that, this is where I am. Help me in my unbelief. And I think the text too, it shows us how, how, how that is just not, it's not just like, Somebody who's just a babe in Christ. We saw Thomas, who's a disciple, 
struggle, you know, with his unbelief, you know. And, and like I said, that's why I think God was so strategic in his disciples because God chose Thomas. God chose all of these people and, and Jesus allowed these people to be his disciples, knowing that they all had issues, you know, knowing, you know, that, that, that he had people on his team that had issues with loyalty, knowing that he had people <laughs> on his team that had issues, you know, with, with their language and, and, and anger issues and all of these different things. But he knew, you know, that, that although they have issues to, that when they, when I'm going to be able, you know, to still use them, even in their, 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 even though they're flawed, you know? And so, like I said, in the, in the, teaching today, Thomas get this bad rep, you know, because he, he says, you know, he says out loud what I think a lot of the disciples were actually thinking, you know, they'd be like, you know, there's no way, you know, that Jesus is alive, you know, but Thomas is like, listen, I'm not going to believe it until I see it for myself. And, you know, sometimes that's the take that we actually take in life, you know, because we hear the word, you know, and it's, it's spoken to us, you know, and we say, Hey, God is a healer. God, God, you know, by his stripes, we are healed. And sometimes, you know, life can hit us, hit us so hard that we're saying, you know, I, I'm saying it with my mouth, but I don't know if I really believe it. And sometimes we have to be like Thomas and we say, God, prove the doubters wrong. Even if that doubter is me, mm -hmm. prove me wrong and show me father God that you are, you know, you can show up for me. I know you did it for Mary Magdalene. I know you showed up for the other disciples, but father, I want to see you for myself. Right. And sometimes I think almost everybody has had a moment like that <clears throat> because like you said, you've seen him do it for other people. But sometimes when you get to you, we have those moments of, okay, God, now I know you did it for other people, but are you really going to do this for me? I mean, how do I really know? Rather than having saying, no, God, you're the same God. You don't change. You're the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. But we still get to that point of, okay, God, I need you to prove it to me. Yeah. And I, I think it's so, it's so important that we know that that is a normal, you know, emotion for Christians. It's a, it's a normal dilemma, you know, that, that it doesn't make you any less saved, mm -hmm. you know, that sometimes you struggle, you know, to believe it don't make you any, you know, less filled with the Holy Spirit, you know, that sometimes you might struggle, you know, to, to, to believe, you know, and, and struggle to know, because we can be a lot of times we can be out here, we helping everybody else, you know, a lot of times when we need to help ourselves, you know, and so that that's so important that we know that sometimes you're going to find yourself in that position, you know, where you as, as strong as you are for everybody else, there are going to be times where you need, you know, God's strength. You're going to need, you know, you know, for God to just show up for you. And that's what was so incredible in the text is that even when they didn't <laughs> remember the promise, Jesus showed up anyway. He showed up anyway as they're sitting in the, in there in the behind locked doors and they're, they're, they're lost. They don't know where, what's next. Jesus shows up anyway because he loves us that much, you know, that he that he knows that, you know, that we, we're going to struggle sometimes, but he still shows up for us anyway. Absolutely. And I just want to point out something really quick, just in reference to what I said. Mark 9, chapter, yeah, chap, Mark chapter 9, verse 23 through 25. And then that is talks about um, anything is possible if a person believes and how he can help us to overcome our unbelief. Absolutely. And so we have to make sure that we are knowing that we're in a battle between God, what God says and what we feel. Mm -hmm. And so we have to make sure that we don't, you know, allow our feelings, you know, to, to override, you know, what God says, because there are times in life 
where what God says, we can't see it, you know, we don't feel it, you know, I, I don't I don't feel like it, you know, I don't feel like, you know, that you're going to heal me right now, I don't feel like you're with me right now, I don't feel like a way is going to be made, you know, I don't feel like this is going to work out for my good, even though you said it in Romans 8 and 28, there's no way this can work out for my good, but we have to keep speaking it and believe it, and don't lose our expectation, you know, because that's what our emotions and our feelings of the situation will sometimes cause us to do. Absolutely. There's no good thing that lies in our flesh. That's what the word tells us. And we have to remember that feelings change all the time, but God's word is forevermore. Absolutely. So, Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to share your word with your people. We thank you for being consistent, a faithful God to us. Father, we just pray right now that you would continue to to bless us, continue to strengthen us, continue, Father, to allow us to allow your word to to sink deep into our spirits so that when we find ourselves in our trials and tribulations, that we shall be able to recall the things that you said to us. We pray, pray that your Holy Spirit just will just continue to stir up in us that we shall be able to be the vessels that shall be able to continue to believe even when we can't see it. Father, we just thank you. We just pray that this word blesses those who hear it. We pray that anybody who needs to, to, to have you as their savior, that they would just open up their, their hearts and believe and confess with their mouths. And we know that they shall be saved. And we thank you for all your blessings. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.